Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Hey, I want to welcome everyone at all of our campuses, those of you who are watching online. We're in the middle of our series, Shocking. You know, there's a story about a rich man who was really unhappy in life. He went to see his counselor, and as he went to see his counselor, he said to him, hey, I have $50,000 in my bank years ago in my life. And when I had this $50,000, man, I was happy, life was good. I was living it up. Now I have $500,000 in my bank account and I'm miserable. The counselor goes, man, it's an easy fix. You just need to get rid of $450,000 and you'll be happy again. You know, do you like, like me want to know, how much did you pay for that counseling session? I mean, did that guy show out a lot of money? Because that seemed like a no-brainer for me. Are there others of you who are like, Man, I would take 500000 in my bank account, see if I could do happy, right? Anybody? No, just me. Sign me up for that. I'd take that on. You know, I want to say this as we talk about money today, we, we talk about our treasure. So we think about these things together. I want you to know that the more money we have, the greater the pull. And when I was a kid, one of the things that we would do every summer as we would go to our family farm, my dad would take his two weeks off. He would go down and he would help my grandfather harvest. I loved going to the family farm. I mean, it was such an awesome place for a little boy to explore, check things out. I mean, there were things that I didn't have in my normal day-to-day -day city life. And I remember one day wanting to go out to the pasture. I wanted to go out and kind of check the cattle, make sure everything was good, you know. And I'm coming to this fence, and I, I see this wire, and I recognize it's got a little bit of a sag in it, and the gate is a ways down. And so I think, you know what, I'm just going to grab this wire and hop on over, and I'll head out to the pasture. Well, I grab the wire and begin to step over it, 
and the wire grabbed me. You know, I don't know if you've ever grabbed a wire and it grabbed you back, but I'm telling you, that electric fence gave me the shock of my life. That, that was my first encounter with it. Later on, I learned it was a little bit of a game for my grandfather to tell me the fence wasn't on when it really was on. I don't know if that's like an old country boy thing or whatever, but he always got a kick out of that. But here's the truth. Money is like that electric fence. You know, the more you have, the higher the voltage, the tighter the hold, the harder it is to release. And that's how money, how treasure works in our lives. You know, there's a lot being said about money today. You, you think about like all the news today about inflation, and we know that inflation is, uh, man, it's kind of out of control. We haven't seen numbers like this in terms of inflation since back like in the 80s. And I begin to think about, you know, what does life look like today as compared with like when I was growing up? And I remember when I was in my 20s, I finally started drinking coffee. You know, I think my dad was proud. My boy's finally drinking coffee, you know, real man. And I tell you what, when I drank coffee in my 20s as compared to going in today and drinking coffee, when you go in and get a cup of coffee today, it's like five bucks, right? If I would have figured that out in my 20s, I would have never started this habit. I mean, this is bad, hurting my checkbook. You know, one of the things too I thought about as well is like all our obsession with screens. You know, I grew up back in the day where you didn't have a computer in your home. I mean, the computers were at the school, you got on them a little bit. I can remember the only friend I knew that had a computer had a Macintosh, and he had it because his dad worked for a computer company. But man, as time evolved, eventually as I got into college, computers took off, and pretty soon you were able to get one. And now today, we have multiple computers, not, not just a desktop, but now laptops, right? We have tablets, we have phones, and we'll pay any expense it takes to get those in our hands. We want to stay connected. We want to know what's going on. And I don't know if you go back this far too, but back in my day, a home security system in South Wichita was a dog named Brutus. You know, that, that was the home security system. You just got a big dog that looked mean and no one wanted to come into your place. They just knew better. But today it's different, right? Today we have alarms, we have cameras. We make sure that our fortress, our place is really secure. Gotta protect our stuff. I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, but I want you to know that Jesus talks a lot about money in the Bible. And he talks a lot about money because he knows the pull that it has in our life. He wants to help us navigate it well in this life. And I think sometimes if we talked about money as much as Jesus talked about money, no one would come. I mean, I think some of us would be like, you know what, I've heard that before, I kind of know. And you might feel that way today as we start this message but I want to encourage you to have fresh eyes, to have ears that are ready to hear, because I think God has something for each of us. I want to dig into what Jesus has to say, so I want to ask you, if you would, to uh, open up your Pathway app if you don't have it open so you can follow along. If you have your Bibles, whether you're at one of our campuses or watching online, I'd love for you to open up to Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. This is a Sermon on the Mount and Jesus has some things that he wants us to understand about money. 
Here's the first one. Jesus' words. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. I mean, this seems like pretty simple, right? Jesus is saying you can only have one master. You have to determine who it's going to be. I mean, you can't get in this game where you feel like you're going to serve two masters, God and money. You're going to serve someone or something. You know, when you think about that something that you're serving, you just have to determine who or what it's going to be. And Jesus isn't telling the people what to do. He's making a point. Our hearts can only be inclined for one primary master. Jesus explains how this works a few verses as we look up into this passage. He says this, look, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, as the readers are listening, it's, it's a little bit of a shocking observation that Jesus makes. I mean, he wants them to really understand the principle of money, of treasure. And he wants them to understand this. Our treasure reveals our heart. I mean, I want you to really think about that for a moment. Our treasure, what we treasure in life, it does reveal our heart. I mean, if you choose to uh, go out and buy a brand new truck, I mean, one that's loaded, has everything that you wanted. I mean, it's got the sweet navigation system. You know, it's got all the bells and whistles. If you choose to do that, it's going to take a little bit of your heart. The same can be said for our homes. It can be said for our, our investments. It can be said for the stuff that we fill our homes and our lives with. Every time we purchase something, every time we make that one of our treasures, it takes up a little room in our heart. Th this is what our heart values. You know, I think we just need to be honest about that. And I want you to know all of that is not bad for sure. I mean, it's all not bad. The truth is we have to live somewhere, right? We need to drive something. It's important for us to manage our money. Scripture tells us to do that. It tells us not to do it casually, but to do it purposefully and do it well. But here's the question. Where is God at in the equation? Where is God at in this equation when it comes down to treasuring things? I mean, once again, you, you may have the truck that you've hoped for, that you saved up for. That's great. You may have a home that you have some things that make it feel like your home. That's great. But once again, the question becomes, is God a priority as you're treasuring things in life? Is he a priority or is God the priority? Is he the one that you recognize that only can bring you fulfillment? 
You know, I don't know what last month was like for you, but I can tell you uh, December's always crazy. You know, I love December because it's so fun celebrating the birth of Jesus with our church. And it's challenging as you have everything going on in your life at home and everything we're doing here in our Jesus community in the church. And it's a fast-paced time. And one of the things we talked about quite a bit as we kind of rolled into December was this idea we've been doing for a few years now. This idea of giving one. And we challenge you to be willing to give one day, one week, or one month of your salary that you would take that treasure and give it to the Lord. Or maybe it's one thing that you would have taken and you would have given that to the Lord so God could use it to impact his kingdom, to help us as a church fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. And I know for Sarah and I, as I was talking about it each weekend, we, like you, were having conversations in our home. We were talking a little bit. We would get interrupted. You ever live like that with your kids? You know, you start in a conversation, you get interrupted, and we'd get a little bit further each time, talking about it, praying about it, trying to figure out where we were supposed to land, what our treasure was going to look like. And we finally got there on December 31st at 10 p.m. You know, we finally made it. We actually were with our kids and we said, hey, we've got to go back. We knew we were going to do it. We excused ourselves, went back to our bedroom so we could begin finalizing what God had placed on our heart. As we got there that night, man, we opened up our pathway giving site. As we looked through that, we began to look at the last 20 years. And Sarah and I have been here 20 years now at Pathway Church. And as we begin to look at that together, it was just an incredible snapshot of what God has allowed us, not by our own will, but by his gentle leading to invest in. And we looked and we thought, man, we've been investing in Pathway Church for two decades. And here's the really cool thing. You know what's happened? Our hearts have followed our treasure. I mean, I want you to know that we really care about what goes on here at Pathway Church. I mean, when we start talking about things that we're gonna do in our community, and we talk about things that we're doing around the world, when we look at how we can help schools and how we can help frontline workers and how we can help those in prisons, man, my heart gets stirred. I get excited because see, my heart is following my treasure. This is my place. You are my people. And when you start investing in God's work, in his church, in the kingdom, it really allows your heart to be pulled along. It's not just about making a deposit. It's not just about the investment, but it's about what God wants to do in you, how he wants to stir you and I. And remember in those verses, Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. The little translation, it reads like this. It would just simply say, don't treasure treasures. And I think the warning here is because Jesus knew that treasures on this world would be temporary, momentary, fleeting, the truth is, I don't care how cool your truck is or my truck is, it's eventually going to rust. The engine's going to break down. I'm going to have to replace something on it, right? I mean, my home, 
I need new siding, I need new windows. I look at that price tag, it overwhelms me. I mean, these things in life, they decay, they deteriorate, they depreciate. And Jesus wants us to understand that's what building a kingdom, your kingdom on earth will look like. He further illustrates this in a story in Luke. It's such a good story. This is what Jesus says teaching his followers there that day. He says, the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he says, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, I want to let you know Jesus always understood his crowd. And he's speaking about a farmer because there's many farmers in the audience. And as he's talking about this, I think there's a lot of them, man, they kind of perked up. Because this guy, man, this is a Steve Jobs of farming. And they're listening and they're going, wow, this guy's figured it out. I mean, this rich man just keeps getting richer and richer. I and mean, what would it be like? to have so much surplus that you had to tear barns down to build bigger ones? That sounds crazy. Sounds like a quick trip, right? Sounds crazy. I mean, why would you do that? And then look at this life. Man, it gets to the point where all he has to do is sit back, take it easy, just enjoy. But God has a response. Jesus says it this way. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, listen, but is not rich towards God. Man, I think this was the plot twist. You could almost maybe hear someone in the audience like, what? God demanded that individual's life that very night. And God wanted this rich man to know, all this stuff you've been building up, all these things that you want to enjoy in life and kick back and just take advantage of, it's gone. It's gone. It's not going with you. You can't put it in a storage container and somehow send it ahead. It's staying here. And even worse, someone else is going to get it. And I think the audience is trying to track. His followers are listening and going, well, what does that mean for me? What does that look like? You know, when I was in school, I remember um, King Tut's, all of his uh, burial chamber and the th things that they dug out of his artifacts, they began to take it on a tour through the United States. Many of you may remember this. And I remember as a kid seeing these pictures of King Tut's tombs. I mean, it was so impressive. I mean, you had porcelain and gold. I mean, his coffin had three layers to it. His coffin that he was laid in was solid gold, the death mask that so many of us have seen before, solid gold. I mean, they tell us that he had chambers, even outside of that original tomb where there were thrones and chariots and all this stuff. They would say today that they insured that tour, those artifacts, Forget this, a billion dollars. Unbelievable. This guy was buried with a billion dollars. 
And do you know why? Because the Pharaohs believed that they could take it all with them. They believed that whatever they had there in their burial chambers would go on with them to the next life. But I want you to compare that with the tomb of Jesus. Here's Jesus' tomb. Simple rock-hewn tomb. I mean, you're not gonna find any gold. You're not gonna find any jewelry. There's no treasure and there's no corpse. You know, Jesus died and then he just left. Jesus left the tomb and he went home. He went home where he had laid up all of his treasure. And so the question for us is this. Are we going to build a treasure like King Tut? Or are we going to build a treasure like Jesus? And what are we going to chase after in life? Are we going to chase after those things that we think we can take with us? Are we going to invest in a place where one day we will go and our treasure will be there waiting? You know, before this story, Jesus really is trying to get the people's attention. He wants them to understand an important principle here. He says this to them. He says, watch out. I want you to be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I I think this is interesting before Jesus tells the story about the farmer when he says, watch out. I mean, hold on, watch out, you guys. I want you to be on guard against, listen, all kinds of greed. You know, here he doesn't say, watch out, be on your guard against murder. He doesn't say, watch out, be on your guard against adultery. You know, you don't get caught off guard in adultery. You don't turn over and go, Oh, you're not my wife. That's not how that works. Murder, adultery, there's so many things that they begin to show signs and symptoms of your heart moving in a direction that is sinful, that is contrary to what God desires for you. But greed, greed is something that's a little bit different. You know, here's the problem with greed it's probably one of the sins that we struggle the most with being aware of in ourselves. We we can see greed in other people. It's always easy to spot it in someone else, but it's hard to look at it and acknowledge that maybe there's a kind of greed in us. Remember, he says, watch out for all kinds of greed. You know, it's important for us to recognize that greed can become a very subtle thing in our life and it can begin to take over more and more room in our life. And all of a sudden we're kind of like, wow, where did that come from? You know, once again, I just want you to be aware that this is one of those sins that is so easy to identify in other people because someone always has more than us. Someone is using what they have, their treasure, in a way we never would, right? Right? but it's hard for us to look at ourselves. I can tell you as a pastor over the years, I've had a number of people come to me and and they've said things like this, you know, hey, I want you to know that I'm struggling with a particular sin and 
And sometimes in my office, it comes out as I'm struggling with the sin of anger. I don't know, just at home, I, I get frustrated, and all of a sudden my anger comes out, and it just seems like it comes out of nowhere. I've had people tell me, you know, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with the sin of lust. I, I don't want to be there, and I, I all of a sudden find myself in a place I shouldn't find myself in. I've had people say, you know, hey, I struggle with the, the sin of pride. You know, I, I feel like I can never admit that I'm wrong. But not one time, not one time in all my years of ministry, have I had someone come in and say, hey, I want to let you know I'm struggling with the sin of greed because greed blinds us to the real condition of our heart. That, that's why Jesus is saying, watch out. Recognize that this is a peculiar sin. This is a sin that can get in there and take more real estate than you ever realized it could or has. You know, maybe... We just need to do a gut check here real quick, and I, I want to ask you some questions maybe to help you uh, kind of give greed the stiff arm, if you would. Kind of make sure it's not taking up real estate in your life. The first one is this, are you a generous person? Person, you know, Are you a generous person? I mean, if you just evaluate yourself, your gut, are you generous? Are you generous with your church? Or are you generous with your neighbor, with those around you who are in need? How about this one? Have you changed the way you live so you can be generous? Does your generosity cost you something? And can you truly do an inventory in your life and go, yeah, I am generous because it's costing me or it's not allowing me or it's limiting me from doing this? Are you figuring out how to live with less so others can live with more? You know, I want to tell you, if we want to make sure greed doesn't get a foothold in our life, we really have to jerk the will. We have to jerk the will of generosity so we can keep pulling ourselves over because the more we have, the greater the pull. You know, so often in the church, we, we talk about really the expectation we learn in God's word is that we would be dedicated to being generous to the ministry and the mission of his church. And scripture is very clear about this. I mean, if you want to go do your own study, I'm going to tell you it's very clear about what it means to give. And really throughout scripture, we're taught this. We're taught that the tithe, giving 10% of our income, it really is the starting blocks. It's kind of the rule of thumb. It's what we should be getting to. It's how we get out of the gate. But I want to let you know this. The tithe is not the standard of giving. The cross is the standard of giving. Now, I want that just to sit here a moment. Let that marinate in your heart and mind. The cross is the standard of giving. It's the greatest example of giving that we could ever experience in life. And aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that Jesus traded all his treasure to make you his treasure? To make me his treasure? I'm so glad that Jesus wasn't up in heaven calculating. Wonder how much I should give. I mean, I have all this should I just give a little bit? Maybe just a little bit so some of those people could get across the line. 
Maybe they'll just give a portion so some of those people could get across the line. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't give 10%. He gave it all. He gave it all so that you and I could experience a treasure that we do not deserve so we could experience a treasure that we can never gain on our own. So Pathway Church, I want to encourage you to recognize once again that money, our treasure here in this world in which we live, it has a pull. You know, the the higher the voltage, the tighter the hold, the harder it is to release. And I'm telling you what, man, sometimes if you see someone that's on that fence, man, and they can't let go, the only thing you can do almost is get a two by four and knock them off it. And for some of us, I think that's what we need. We need a little two by four action. And I wanna challenge you with one thing, one thing to walk away from here and try to put in play. I wanna challenge you to be willing to talk about your treasure. I want you to be willing to find someone that you could just start a conversation with so you can see if there is a blind spot in your life where greed has taken a foothold, where it's gained some real estate in your life and you wanna figure out how to push that out so you can learn to be more generous. I wanna tell you for me, I've never been able to do this on my own. It's always taken someone that loves me to nudge me, to challenge me. And as they do that, Man, I'm telling you, the light comes in, the real treasure comes in, and it allows me to do things that I can't do on my own. It allows me to be generous, to give as God has given to me, to not allow these earthly things to have such a strong hold on my life. You know, I wanna ask everyone at this time, if uh, you just bow your heads, I just want to clear a little bit of room for us, not just to hear a message, but to respond to a message. And Jesus has said some things to us today through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have a chance to reply to that. We have a chance to say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. I want you to keep doing your good work, that work that only you can do. And so here's the first step. I, I just want you to take a little inventory. I know we don't got a lot of time, but just in this little time that we have, if you could take an inventory and just go, man, what is my treasure in life? What does the balance of that look like? Do I have more treasure here in this world or am I sending more treasure on into a world where moths and vermin, where rust and decay, where nothing, where nothing can deplete that treasure, can take that treasure away. And if you know that you need to be more rich towards God, his church, his mission, the kingdom work that he's doing, if you know in your heart that you need to start a conversation with someone so you can have them help you continue to grow in this. I just want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand at all of our campuses. You're watching online, you can just type, that's me in the comments section. I want you to take action today to make a commitment, to be willing to say, I wanna wanna grow some more. I wanna take another step.
so grateful. I'm grateful that you let the Holy Spirit keep leading you, keep pushing you. It's where God does his best work. You know, as we're still praying, I just want also to uh, ask this question. Have you recognized the treasure that God has given you in his son, Jesus Christ? And I'm not asking if you've acknowledged that treasure, but I'm asking you if you've surrendered to that treasure. If you said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and rescue me and change me so that I can be more kingdom focused. So I won't be pulled so much by the pleasure of this world, but Lord, I'll have an eternal perspective. Man, if you know you need to accept the gift of God's treasure found in Jesus Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just in the stillness of your heart, let me lead you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you, Father, that you gave everything up. Your abundance, your riches, to come to this world, to die on that cross so that I could be forgiven, I could be rescued, and I could start a new life. And Father, I may not understand everything about that, but I understand those principles. And because of that, Father, I want to ask you to forgive me for trying to do this on my own for being only focused on myself. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Please, Jesus, save me, lead me, let me experience what it's like to be a part of your kingdom. With everybody's head still bowed, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now at all of our campuses, if you'd raise your hand, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you're watching online, also you can just type, that's me. We want to know because we want to celebrate with you. We want to walk with you. We want you to experience what it means for your heart to be linked with other hearts that are treasuring, seeing God's kingdom grow. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity for us, once again at Pathway Church, to make decisions that help us change to look more like Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you once again for the power of your word. I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you for the riches you've given us, Lord, riches that we don't even understand. But I thank you for the greatest gift of all, your son, Jesus Christ. I pray this week, Lord, that we, your church, would go out and look more and more like Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.